Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4.7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. Today I want to talk to you about building something great for God. Building something great for God. Let me give you 10 reasons why we need to do something magnificent for God. Number one, our God is worthy of our best. I've always heard this phrase, usually it's on television. It's a phrase that goes, I serve at the pleasure of the president. Well, I'm here to tell you that we serve at the pleasure of the creator God of the universe. People in Malachi's day, they were giving God leftovers. They were giving God less than their best. Yes, they were giving something to God, but it really wasn't sacrificial in nature. And God said these words in Malachi 1 verse 8, when you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? God says, why don't you try offering those to your governor? Would the governor be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. And the idea is, if the governor wouldn't even accept that, then why would I, as an Almighty God, accept your, what you're giving right now? He goes on to say in verse 11, My name will be great among the nations, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, in every place of incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord who? The Lord Almighty. Our God is a great God. He's greater than any governor. He's greater than any president. He's greater than any rock star. He's greater than any Hollywood star. He's greater than any athlete. He's greater than LeBron. He's greater than Muhammad. He's greater than any CEO or CFO. You ought to serve him and honor him and praise him and worship him and give to him and love him and glorify him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength and all of your mind for one reason. You don't need nine other reasons. Just one reason. Main reason is our God is a great God. Number two, I want to do great things for God because he's done great things for us. It's not just that he is great. He's done great things for us. I believe that God spoke into existence the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. The Bible says... The Bible says in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down 
from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I want to give him my best because he gave me his best. I think of the air that I breathe and the water that I drink and the money that I spend and the church that I serve and the Bible that I hold and the spirit that is within me and the grace that covers my sin and the love that I have experienced, the salvation that I have clinged to, my family that I belong to. And not only all of that, I think of the fact that he gave me his very best in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus goes to that cross and dies so that if I believe in him, I shall not perish but have everlasting life. How could I ever give him less than my best? Why would I want to do something small and insignificant for him after all he's done for me? That doesn't even make sense. Turn to your neighbor and say, that doesn't even make sense. Number three on our list. I never want to be lukewarm about anything. I don't know why, but God made me. I'm an all-in or nothing kind of a person. I'm either all in or I don't even want to be involved in your little project. I'm not going to get involved in something and do it halfway. If I'm going to coach my grandson's team, we're going to try to win the championship. Not going to be this participation trophy stuff. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9, whatever, I want everybody to say the word whatever. I want you to put your hands up like this. Come on, do it with me. Put your hands up. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever it is, do it with all your might. I don't care if you're a trash truck driver. Be the best trash truck driver in Los Angeles. Especially if you're on my block. If you're a piano teacher, be the best piano teacher you can be. If you're a surgeon or a nurse, be the best surgeon or the best nurse you can be. If you're out just washing a car or painting a wall or singing a song, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. In the same way that you expect me to give my all when I'm preaching or leading the church, God expects you to give your all. And you're dealing here at the church. Revelation 3.15, God said, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. He says, I wish you were one or the other. Revelation 3.16, so because you're lukewarm. So what's lukewarm? He says, you're neither hot nor cold. You're just kind of wishy-washy. He said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Even God in heaven can't stomach a Christian that's lukewarm. A Christian that's just lackadaisical. A Christian that just kind of goes through the motions. God says, I'd rather you be red hot on fire, or you know what? I'd rather you be ice cold than just be so-so. Don't be lukewarm for God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen, amen. Number four, number four, get this point. To whom much has been given, much is required. You remember the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25? One guy got five talents, one guy got two talents, and one guy got one talent. The guy with five talents went to work and made five more, so now he's got ten. The guy with two talents, he went to work and got two more, so he's got four. 
The guy that God gave one talent to, he was kind of scared. He went out, the Bible says, and he hid it because he didn't want to lose it. The master came back. He saw the guy that had five. Now he's got ten. The Lord was happy with that guy. The guy that was given two talents and he's now got four, the Lord was happy with that guy. But that guy that took his gift and his talent and just hid it, he, the master was not happy with that fellow. In fact, Jesus said these words. It's not me. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Jesus said these words. He said, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe that God, when he put this church here, that this is a five-talented church. Number five, I never, ever, 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 ever want to be outworked by the devil. The devil comes only to still kill and to destroy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Number six, I do want my life and my faith to glorify God. Romans chapter 4, verse 18 says, Against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God But he was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. This is why it was accredited to him as righteousness. The question is, when times turn bad, will you continue to be strengthened in your faith and give glory to God? Number seven, another reason why I want to do something great for God is if others are building upon our foundation, then let's build a great foundation. I mean, don't you understand that all of us are just passing through this life and we're here just for a little while and whatever we're doing here, we're just building a foundation for the next generation. You do know that, don't you? David in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, he wanted to build a temple to house the Ark of the Covenant God eventually told David, no, David, you will not be allowed to build the temple. However, your son Solomon, we're going to let little Solomon actually build it. So David knew, he knew that he'd never be allowed to build the temple. However, he did everything in his possible means to lay the foundation and to provide everything so that the next generation could actually build the temple that he himself wanted to build. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, here's the story. King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen is young and he's a millennial. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, it's for God. And ladies and gentlemen, that's an important point. No matter When I talk about we want to build and do something great for the kingdom of God, it's not for us, it's always for God. Always remember that. 
Verse 2, with all my resources, David said, I have provided for the temple of my God gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onks for the settings and turquoise stones of various colors, all kinds of fine stone and marble, and all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything else I've provided for this holy temple. Verse 4, 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now who with me is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? David did everything but build that temple. He laid it all out so his son could finish the job. We know that David purchased the land for the temple a thousand years before the time of Christ. Solomon, the next generation, actually built the temple. That temple uh, was built, it was destroyed, it was rebuilt, it was restored. Eventually, Herod comes along and builds the second temple all on that piece of land that David purchased. This was 3,000 years ago. And Herod's temple, which is on the foundation of uh, Solomon's temple, the foundation is still there. It's called the Western Wall. It's, it's where people, when they go to the Holy Land, they want to go to the Western Wall. That is the foundation of the temple on the land that David purchased 3,000 years ago. And I say that to say this, when I talk about us doing something great for God right here, what we're building here for God is going to outlast all of us. When we're dead and gone, we want to take all this and hand it off to the next generation. They will take it and hand it to the next generation. They will take it and hand it to the next generation. There could be a witness for God in this city for the next 3,000 years. That's possible. It's possible. Number eight, quickly. There's going to be great rewards in heaven. And uh, this, is, oh, this is always confusing. Pe- people are confused by this. We don't do good works so we can be saved. You're not saved by doing good deeds, by building something great for God. That has nothing to do with salvation. You're saved when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. All right? You you walk down here and you say, hey, I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. I want to surrender to him. I want to be baptized into his name. And you, you are committing your life to Jesus. That's how you get saved. But after you get saved, after you've received the assurance of everlasting life, you then spend the rest of your days here on this earth doing good works. We're all supposed to do good works. And the Bible explains that one day when we get to heaven, again, it's not how we get to heaven, it's once we get there, according to the Bible, and I gave you some passages of Scripture that you can look up, Romans chapter 2 and also Revelation chapter 20, one day when we get up there, and I don't, I don't know how all this is going to work, But the Bible says that we will be rewarded for the things that we've done and the things that we've said. The Bible talks about that we're going to receive crowns and that certain crowns will have certain jewels based on what you've done here on earth. Now, I don't think when you get up to heaven, you're going to be walking around envious of people that have larger crowns than you. 
Because like I just became a Christian last week and I died. I've only been saved for seven days. I got this little bitty crown. Versus this guy has been in the church for 60 years, been serving. He's got this big crown and you've got your little crown. I don't think you're going to be walking around in heaven. Look at that crown. Look at that crown. But I do think one day all the things that we've done on this earth, we will be rewarded. There will be jewels in our crown. And when you get up to heaven, we're all going to take our crowns. I don't care what size crown you have. We're going to take those crowns and we're going to all lay them at the feet of Jesus. Because we'll realize that everything we've ever done, anything we've ever accomplished on this earth was all because of Him and for Him. I hope that you have the largest crown possible to go put at His feet. Amen? You know, if it's true, if it's true that here on earth that we can lay up treasures in heaven, well, I want to lay up as many treasures as I can up there because treasures on earth only last for a little while, but treasures up in heaven are going to last for all of eternity. Number nine, as we prepare to close, how many of you think I'm going to get through these now? Oh, now you've become people of faith. (laughs) The Bible talks about there's a great cloud of witnesses. In Hebrews 12. Everybody say Hebrews 12. And uh, I've always thought and known that there's this great cloud of witnesses. But when I think about all the people who are up there watching us, the most important motivating factor for me are the people who paid the ultimate sacrifice. In other words, there's all kinds of witnesses up there. I, 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 I believe this. I, I think the Apostle Paul is up there watching us right now. I, I, I think that Joseph is up there. I think Mary's watching us. I think Elijah and Elisha and I think Isaiah and Jeremiah. And I, I even think Jesus is up there. And they're just watching us. But not only is it the great people in the Bible... I believe that part of that cloud of witnesses are the people, our friends and our families who have passed. Like, like Ed Chris was a pastor of this church, an associate pastor. He, he's like, he was like the godliest man I ever met. I think Ed's up there watching what's going on here today. I think Dr. Jess Moody is up there watching what's going on here today. I think my grandfather, who was a pastor who died when I was four, I think he's up there looking down at his grandson. And he's looking at what's going on in here. But as I think about all the witnesses, the ones that get to me are those who died for their faith. Not just who died of natural causes, but people who actually stood on the front lines and it cost them their life. I think of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. The very first man, the very first martyr was Stephen. I think of uh, Peter, who, who is rumored or it is said that he was killed by Nero for his faith and was crucified upside down on a cross. I think of Polycarp, who was killed uh, by the Romans. He was a friend of John. You know John, the writer of the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the man who wrote the book of Revelation. Polycarp was burned at a stake for his faith. I think of John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe was one of the first people to ever take the Scriptures and want to translate them from Latin, which no one could read and understand, into English. They were so mad at him 
They actually dug him up after he died and burned his body and all of his writings. I think of Jim Elliott and his four missionary colleagues who were killed on January 8, 1956, while trying to reach the Wyadani people down in Ecuador. And there's a man in our church named Bill Ewing who did a movie called The End of the Spear that talks about those missionaries who went down to this tribe that they were the most violent tribe in the world. And these four guys, five guys, they went in there and they were trying to witness to these, to these people and they killed all of them. And afterwards, their wives went back into that tribe and continued to try to win them to Jesus. And eventually they did become Christians. And they went to being the most cruel people and to being the nicest people all because of Jesus Christ. But I think of missionaries like that who paid the ultimate sacrifice. How could I ever not give my best? How could I ever not serve? How could I ever be lackadaisical in my faith and not give everything that I have to give and serve with all of my strength when there's people who've paid the ultimate sacrifice? Oh, I will continue to dream a great dream and to do a great work for God. And number 10, write this down. The greater the light the more the darkness disappears. Jesus said in John 12, he said, I have come into the world as a what? As a light. So that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Light dispels darkness. The city in which we live is lost. The San Fernando Valley... There are two million people who live in this valley, most of whom are lost, most of whom do not know Jesus. They are living in darkness. And as we desire to do a great work here for God, right here, every single person, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and anyone who believes in me will no longer live in darkness. The more we do for God, the more people we reach, the more the darkness disappears. And I don't know about you, but the question is, are you all in? Are you committed to working in the kingdom of God? Are you involved? Are you working? This is is not a game. I love games. This is not a game. Eternity is in the balance. People are lost. They will spend an eternity not in heaven if they never meet Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can save. Nothing else can save. Only Jesus and Jesus alone. And as a church, we've been called to lift him as high as we can. He will draw all people unto himself. And one by one, we can change this city. We can change this valley. We can change this nation. And we can change the entire world. In these uncertain times, we know as Christians, there's a great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. If you feel the need right now for someone to pray with, we have phone counselors standing by, ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through on your first try, please be sure to try again. Our phone number again is 888-818-4777. We know as Christians, our relationship with Jesus is a daily commitment and not just something we do on the weekends. We believe we have the perfect gift today 
to help you maintain your daily connection to our Lord for the coming year. Romancing Royalty is a daily devotional book designed to draw you closer to King Jesus with 365 inspirational stories, scriptures, prayers, study questions, and even a place to journal. There are more than 100 contributors to this book, including Greg Laurie, the late John Wooden, Tony Campolo, Jack Hayford, Raul Rees, and Jim Garlow, just to name a few. We know this daily devotional will be a blessing to you. It also makes the perfect holiday gift for a friend or loved one. Pastor Dudley's top-selling daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, is available right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Romancing Royalty can be yours by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. Our number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order Romancing Royalty directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know there are many daily devotionals available today, but none come close to the level of insightful contributors to this book. It's our most popular seller this time of year. So we invite you to call and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's daily devotional, Romancing Royalty, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.